Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about Church at the Well, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. And now, here's today's sermon from our pastor, Dane Carraway. Um, can I pray for us again? I know we just prayed, but uh, I'm very excited for the passage I want to share with you. Uh, is if it moves a little fast-paced, I apologize. Um, if you're new to sharing space with us this morning, we have been going through the book of John. And um, I, I've been just kind of like moving through chapter by chapter, maybe a couple of chapters at a time. But this morning, we're going to kind of hop through um, several different chapters, and even one that we're going to do that we'll actually uh, revisit here in a couple weeks after Easter. But before I get ahead of myself, let me pray for us. Uh, God, uh, your word is holy. Your word is great. Um, we want to we trust you that you're going to speak to us this morning through your word as we read it and uh, as we just share this space and, and look to what you have for us. God, my, my goal um, and our goal is that we would recognize that before we can find out who we are, before we can even uh, come up with our own identity, we should be people that trust in the identity of who you are, Jesus. May that be our defining point, may that be our origin point as we seek to build upon that foundation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So um, if you got a Bible, we are going to be, we're going to start in John chapter 6, but we ain't going to be there long, okay? We made sure to have the, uh, the verses on the screens because we're going to be moving, okay? Um, but if you are familiar with um, the book of John, you may have noticed that there are seven times, actually there's nine times, we're going to focus on seven today, that there are seven times when Jesus made a statement that started with two words, I am. Now, I say nine because there's, these are seven metaphorical ones that Jesus uses, right? Like the, that Jesus is talking to these people that would have understood what he meant, that he would have understood, uh, that would have understood the context of what he's talking about. And then, uh, you know, he, like he describes, he, uh, he links it to something he's done or something he's doing or something he will do. And then he goes on to explain what he's talking about. There's two extra times, which we're not going to get into this morning because it's coming up soon, where Jesus actually points to not uh, something metaphorical, but he just says, I am. And, and what that would have meant to the listeners, to, to, the, to, the, uh, to the, um, these Jewish people at the time would have been like, oh, he's calling himself God because he's using the same words that um, uh, um, when Moses went and, um, and he met with God in the burning bush and he said, well, what should I tell people? Who, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them that I am sent you. Tell them that the God, the person that they've been following the reason, uh, like the person who's going to rescue them out of, uh, out of the hand of the Egyptians, that's who I am. So when Jesus says this, this is like a big moment in the story, and, and we'll get there where he's like, okay, I'm done concealing who I am. I'm done just focusing on my followers. It's time for the world to know that I'm serious about who I'm proclaiming to be. And it's time for them to respond. Unfortunately, the response was by crucifying him and torturing him, and, and, and we all know the rest, right? But before Jesus does that, there's seven times where Jesus relates to people, where Jesus says, like, hey, this is who I am, and this is what it means for you. And I think, like, I, I wanted to, 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 you know, spend time this morning just doing these things because I think this is, this is really what it's about. I have a joke with one of my... Um, my friends who's actually playing a church down in St. Petersburg. And like, um, he was up here and we were spending some time together. And um, we loved the joke back and forth. And he's a lot more of a, of a tougher guy than me. Um, 
and he says, uh, he's like, I'm, I'm talking to him about his purpose statements and things, and he's like, well, I'm just going to tell people on, on our website, like, hey, the gospel is not about you. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's what people, hey, would you come to church? It's not about you, you know? And I understand what he's saying, and it's, there's some theological truth to it, for, sure, fine. But what, what, what Jesus is doing here by saying, like, hey, I am the bread of life, which is going to be one, spoiler alert. He's saying, like, hey, this is who I am, and here's what it means for you. So essentially for us, yeah, sure, fine, like our faith isn't about us. We're not at the center of the universe. But we, through these statements, we're going to see that Jesus' heart is like, it absolutely is about you. That, that's why I'm here. That's what I've come for, is that it would absolutely be about you. Um, our big idea this morning is that before I can find who I am, I must know the I am. Before I can find out who I am, I must know the I am. So let's go to John chapter 6. We're actually going to, uh, we'll come back in, a, in a, another series later this year and actually spend some time talking about the feeding of the 5,000. If you've heard this story before, it's really cool. If you haven't heard this story, listen, I don't care what black church you visited on a Sunday that had a fish fry, this one was better, okay? Because as somebody who did a youth fundraiser every year, and I depended on this youth fundraiser, Mike is here, he knows what I'm talking about. Um, I, I depended on the fish fry to send us to the youth conference every year. This one was better because you didn't have to pay for it at first. Jesus just said, hey, that kid over there has fish and bread. So that happens. Fish happens. <laughs> and, um, you know, Jesus comes. And um, so he, makes, he, he has this big fish fry. I promise you we'll spend more time on that later this year. Because I want to focus to what happens right after that. So the fish fry happens. Jesus and the disciples, they go to another place. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse 25. You with me? Okay. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake... They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your, feel, your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do? What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from, from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who, get, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from the heavens and gives life to the world. So they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me uh, will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at, at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at that last day. So right off the bat, Jesus is having this conversation, and it's a mix of the disciples and people who just were like, they were just chasing the next thing. If somebody made, five, like made fish and bread enough for 5,000 plus for the kid who had the bread and fish in the first place to take some home for his family, you're going to follow him. 
If somebody's doing something amazing, they're like, we just got to go over to the next thing. Who cares what's happening back at home? We're just going to follow him to the next place, even that's across this body of water. We're going to figure out where he is, and we're going to go follow him. So, it, it, but Jesus, and he, I love how he does this. He speaks directly to their hearts. He speaks directly to like what they're chasing after. You guys are just looking for the next meal, right? This is like me at home where like, like my kids smell dinner cooking, and they're like, Daddy, we need a snack. Okay, fine, have this. Mm, still hungry. Like, j- just wait. You need something that's going to that's gonna fill you more. So Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. That's, that, that, that's, his, that's his answer. Like, he's talking about, you're looking for the next meal, but you need something that's going to sustain you longer. He says, I am the bread of life. The people had either heard or been at the last great meal, and they were looking for more temporal signs from Jesus. He's saying tough things, and they're like, wait a minute, listen, before we just accept the fact that you're saying all these things and that God is your father, like, what sign do you have to to back this up? Like, you're saying some crazy things, Rabbi, but like, what what do you got? Because last time you had fish and bread. Do you have any more of that? Because we need something that's going to help us to, to, to believe what you're saying. Let me ask you a question. Don't we all invest so much in stuff that's not going to last long? I'm a probably a, a, about to do this. I'm, I'm, like, I'm admitting, number one hypocrite. March Madness lasts a month and then it goes away. But I'm already planning on like, like this, is, this is something I'm looking forward to. God gives us things that we enjoy. God gives us like these, these special events. We should, we should celebrate some of the things in our culture that are fun for us. And he gives us these interests for a reason. So let's just set that aside. But, but is it not true? And we talked about some of these things last week that, that we celebrate and we invest so much of our time, effort, and money in things that just aren't going to satisfy us for a long period of time. And it's not that we shouldn't enjoy those things in the place and the time that God has given us to do them. But when we are giving much more of a significant investment in things that just don't deserve it, that's what we need to call into question. These folks are looking for more bread. They're looking for more fish. And what Jesus is telling them is that the point wasn't just to give you a great meal. The point was to show you that I'm the Messiah. The point was, was, to, was, to, was to feed your immediate need but to not just keep feeding the immediate need. You and I both know this. If you're somebody who's followed Jesus, you've had people ask you to pray for them for different needs in their life, but have never asked you to talk to them about why you follow Jesus in the first place. You've had people that, like, they, they, they will never join you for church. They will never join you in following Jesus in any capacity. But they're like, there's something that happens when, when, this, when I ask this person to pray for me, it makes an impact in my life because they have a connection that I just don't have. But instead of trying to get that connection to God for myself, I'm just going to keep asking them to pray for me because it just, it, it's just it's enough bread for today. It, it fixes my temporal need for today. By the way, that, that's one of the best things you could do. If you have friends that are far from God, yeah, you keep praying for them. But while you're praying, introduce them to the one who makes the bread and the fish in the first place. See, um, um, what, what we need to do is that if Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life, what, what the, the way that this, what this means for me, the way that like, this is, uh, it connects from me just not being focused on who I am, but knowing the I am, 
Jesus is saying, hey, listen, come find eternal satisfaction in me. Come find satisfaction in me. Like, like, like what, what the bread of life is supposed to be is that you're not going to be hungry anymore. That's what he says, right? Like that you're not going to have to be hungry anymore. The same way that he told the woman at the well, he's like, listen, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have, you would have gotten, you would have asked him um, for water and he would have given you uh, living water that you would never thirst again. He's saying like, like this is going to fill a greater need that's going to last longer. So Jesus says, uh, um, I'm the bread of life. And he tells us, it's basically saying, come find eternal satisfaction in me. Okay, I told you we're going to jump around, right? So we're going to go to John chapter 8 for the next one. So John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is going to, in in a similar situation, people around, uh, um, you know, even some of the, uh, uh, this is one of these times where the the Jewish rulers were kind of like probably hiding behind some of the listeners that came to listen, and they were just waiting for Jesus to say something either like blasphemous or something totally off the wall that would just drive them insane, and, uh, you know, that they could just, they they would give them reason to... uh, to arrest him and crucify him right there. So Jesus is talking, and this is what he says in verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is probably one of the most popular themes with worship songs that we sing. This little light of mine, Ian's favorite song, Lighthouse, you know, like there's so many like songs that like, that like, you know, direct us back to the idea of marvelous light. And, and, and I, it, while like, I love the imagery of Jesus and him being the light of our world, have you ever thought about what else he's saying in this passage? About what he's not saying about himself? He's saying life without Christ at its very best is still dark. You ever thought about it like that? He says that I am the light of the world. So at the very best, at, at very best, a life without Christ is still dark. I mean, like, like this, like this, guys, I, I spend time on these sermons and there's sometimes like I like read a passage and I struggle with it because when I'm like, man, like that, that's challenging to me. But I always like think about it in terms of talking to you guys about it. Because what this saying is that, like, you can have every accomplishment. You could be prolific at your job. You could be killing it at school. You could have the best family unit ever. You could be, like, like babies are being born. Marriages are happening. You know, businesses are being started. You could be winning at life, just killing it, and still be dark. Like, and it's sad because, you know, like, we, as we all do, we, we spend so much time interacting with people you know, uh, in their jobs, and we love them, and, and we're happy to see them. And, and if they're celebrating life, they're still celebrating the goodness that God has for us, and, and God, and the hope in the world, and, and even when we have the this, uh, uh, the hints of joy and happiness in our life, we have to remember that God is the one who created the feelings of happiness and joy and all of our emotions, by the way. But without Christ, that's the best it's ever going to get. I heard this one time by by a theologian. He said, um, like. For, for folks that, that don't have Jesus, that this is that the life that they experience now is the closest to heaven they'll ever get. That's still very dark. You ever think about it like that? Like, like um, um, last night, um, my cousin um, um, plays, uh, he plays uh, basketball for Parkville. And Parkville won their first ever state championship last night down at the University of Maryland. And I, like, have you ever seen a high school kid 
win like something that significant, there's nothing bigger. My, my, my favorite part about this is that the, um, <laughs> um, his sister was watching them on Instagram Live. And I don't know if you've ever seen like a, a pro sports team win a championship. They have the goggles because they're champagne in the locker room. They're boys walking around the locker room with the goggles on. What champagne are you guys like, you know, spraying around the locker room? You're in high school. Does someone have Prosecco? Or like, I mean, or what's the, not Prosecco, Perrier? Is there like sparkling water like that's being sprayed around and you're like, scared that your eyes are going to burn? I, I, like, like what is happening? But like, but just the joy that they have from, from this major accomplishment. And I know for me, like, you know, having won things like that, like you wish you could bottle that and, and, and have it for life. Just have like that moment for life. And for us that, like, that, that are alive in Christ and that know Jesus, that can see the light of the world, we, we love those accomplishments and we, we rightly put them in our lives and they're great stories and you know, we, we could have them. But I, like, as I was driving home, I thought about like, God, I pray for each and every one of those, those guys and those coaches because the farther they move through their life from that accomplishment, they're going to be chasing the feeling and the ecstasy that they felt when they lifted up that trophy. Because life at its best is still dark without Christ. Jesus points to himself as the light of the world for a reason. Because he understands from, from, a, from an eternal sense that what sin has done to the world. From the very beginning, right? Ground was cursed and our situations were cursed and, and even the, the highs of life are, are still dark. So I just think about like, you know, when we when we look the like the reason why it's so important that folks have Christ is that like we don't want to just keep chasing these these one circumstance uh, after circumstance or these one event after an event. We want the joy of Christ to carry us through it. I mean, let me let me just put it like this: Are we not able to rightly celebrate and have hope and have joy in these events rather than just chasing event after event for the source of our hope and our joy? When, when, when you have, when a baby is born, are you not praising God for the gift of this baby? When, when somebody graduates, are you not able to look and, and point to God as the one who sustains through these things? Instead of those being like, like I'm just going after event after event, and this is just going to be like the light at the end of the tunnel. Is this not what talks about, like, is this not what people describe retirement as, right? Like four more years, three more years. Oh, wait, um, all of the... Uh, uh, everything has changed as far as my, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, my retirement's changed. Uh, now I got six more years left. Like it, it's all over again. So the light's like farther down the tunnel. Christ is the light at the end of the tunnel. And he's not just at the light of the tunnel. He's the light with you while you walk through the tunnel. He's the light of the world. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And what he tells us is, Find hope in me. This is where your hope is. This is where your joy is. So find hope in me. All right, we're jumping again. John chapter 10, verse 7. Um, I, I love this one because um, if you guys know that I, I am from a rural background, I spend most of my time on farms. Uh, I, I know so much about farm life. I'm absolutely kidding if you don't know me. I, 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 would, I would perish in a rural setting very quickly. Um, I, would, I would be food. For the, for the animals that live out of these places. Um, but, I, I, but I do love this, uh, this passage. John chapter 10, verse 7 says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the, for the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So here in this passage says gate. If you have some of your Bibles, it says the door, right? Anybody, it says the door. The idea of that, that, that uh, Jesus is the gate or the door is that after a shepherd's flock has been separated from the other sheep, he takes them to the pasture. Near the pasture is in, like most times was an enclosure for the sheep, and the shepherd takes his place in the doorway. There was like a little gap, and he would be the one that would that would let the sheep that are supposed to come through the doorway that ancient and functions as a door or a gate as we would know in our homes or in our yards. The spiritual meaning is that Jesus is the only gate by which people can enter to God's provision for them. He stands as the gate. Like he's the one that's going to that's gonna enter this. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I used to be a camp counselor and um, we would go to some place like uh, Chuck E. Cheese or down in Southern Maryland, it was Jeepers, which y'all know about Jeepers. Jeepers was like Chuck E. Cheese, lower budget, okay? Um, it, it, was the, it wasn't as fancy as Jeepers, but the wings were bomb. Um, but so what we would do is like, and every summer camp would just basically like bring their kids to Jeepers. And our job was basically like just to stand at every entrance. And then when it was time to go, you would just kind of check, you're with me, you're with me, you're not with me. And just like the kids that belong with you, you would let them through the door, right? It's similar thing where Jesus is saying, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. I'm the one that's going to let people through into God's pasture, into God's freedom. Now, I want you to think about what, what he's doing, and even the progression of this. Jesus is slowly un- unveiling who he is to folks. This would have been controversial, and we, and like, but he's also using this in the terms in which they would have understood. They know about sheep, but also, is, is shepherds the, is this the, uh, the, the NBA basketball players of this time? Is this the CEOs? Is, is this like what it means to be like the CEO of Facebook or Disney in this time? No, no, no. Shepherds weren't, weren't the, the most sought after job. They, they weren't. Did I, did I go out? Okay, I'm good. They, 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 they just weren't. Like they were, they were outcasts from society. They spent most of their time with sheep. And we're actually going to talk more about shepherds here in a second. But what Jesus is pointing to, he's saying like, if I'm the shepherd... If I'm, um, I'm sorry, if, I am, if I'm the door to the pasture to where you are going to be, where you're going to be able to find the, the, um, the, the good grass and where you're going to be able to, to be taken care of, you're going to find provision in me. This is where, where, where you're going to find uh, the, the ability to be provided for. This is, this is where it's at. And I'm going to be at the gate and I'm going to be the one that's going to let you into this. One of our favorite songs to sing here is Jaira. Because it's the idea that, that like, you know, God is the one who provides for us, and we're going to trust him to provide for us. What happens when we go and provide for ourselves? It's either very hard. It, it, it's either really exhausting. I guarantee you at least one person in this room that you grinded hard this week, and you're sitting here, and you're, you're barely trying to keep it together. Because we all, we can do it. Like, we have the ability, we have the human ability to go and provide for ourselves, but it's exhausting. Um, not a big, I don't, I, I'm not, a, I know one Johnny Cash song. That's not true. I know, like, two. But, like, the one that, like, um, 
that I always like point to is you guys know like the song like right before he died, the song Hurt. You just like if you don't know, like be really impressed with me that I know Johnny Cash, okay? Um, like like it's just it's the story about this guy who lived far from God most of his life and did whatever he could do to provide for himself. And he gets to the end of life, so you can just kind of hear it, not just because of his age, but you can just hear, like, there are stories. But you ever just heard somebody that, like, they talk so slow and there just seems so much pain in their voice? Yeah, you've been through some stuff. And, you, and you've, like, you, there's a story even in the way that you talk, if you're talking about it or not. There's, there's something there. And towards the end of his life, he writes this song, and you could just tell, like, it is tiring to try to provide for myself. And what Jesus says is, like, yeah, you can do that. And even like for real life sheep, what happens when sheep go and they, and, they, and they go find their own grass or they find their own pastures? They say that sheep are so dumb that they will walk off a cliff trying to find new grass. That they need someone to keep them inside of the, of the pasture where they're supposed to be. And that's where the provision is. See, for a lot of us, sometimes we're chasing after things that God never meant for us to chase after because it's outside of the, the gate or the fence that we're supposed to be in the first place. That's why we're so tired. That, 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 that's why we're so exhausted. Is because we're, we're, we're places that we were never supposed to be. God says, hey, there's provision in me. Come, come find provision in me, because I'm the gate. Later on in, that, in that, same, uh, that same chapter, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And, and, and Jesus is doing two things. He, he's pointing to the fact that shepherds have such a hard job because their job is to protect the sheep, even if it means taking, like, laying down their own life for this. But he's also giving a precursor to what was to come, right? Like him being the good shepherd and him laying down his life for you and I. Um, we know that in Bible times that like, the shepherds, they weren't just you know, protecting it against like, sheep nappers. This isn't like the movie Babe where the guy comes and loads up the sheep on the back of the truck. That wasn't Jesus' concern. But shepherds at this time, it was, it was jackals, it was wolves, it was leopards and, and bears and hyenas. If you remember from David, David fought a lion and a bear. I always think about that so, so crazy that, hey, uh, David, um, just guys like, hey, David, um, I'm going to prep you because in a few years you're going to face a giant. So um, in preparation for that, go ahead and fight this lion and bear, you know, just as a warm up. And, and that was part of the job of shepherds. And what Jesus is saying is that there's, there's protection in me. Come find protection in me. For, for you and I as believers, we're told to run from temptation because this is, a, this is a fight that we were never supposed to have. We were never supposed to stand there and fight, fight Satan. Like there's like a like uh, there, there's bands like um, there's one called Demon Slayer and like you like there's so many like songs from the '90s like of Christian bands that are like you know we're gonna bust Satan's head and let's go fight the devil. No, that was never the goal. No. What does Jesus say? It's like you know like flee the devil and he will flee from you, right? That's like 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 there, there's there's spiritual significance in that. Jesus is like like that's not your opposition. Well, I'm sorry, that is your opposition, but the way that you fight that is by clinging close to me, knowing that I'm your good shepherd, and running from that. Sometimes it takes strength to run, right? And I think for you and I, like, especially with the fight against temptation, a lot of times Jesus is saying, like, hey, like, if you choose the things from me, there's protection in that. There's significance and there's protection in knowing and trusting and clinging close to Jesus rather than trying to fight things on our own. 
every single time, um, from, 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 um, even from now, from when I was um, a youth pastor, every time that I've met with a young man um, who was trying his best to try to, um, to, to overcome um, um, a fight against pornography, almost every single one of them tried to do it on their own. They're like, I'm just going to be done. I'm just going to, I, I can do it. I'm strong enough to do this. And I'm like, well, I, I, yeah, but if, if we were strong enough to defeat Satan by ourselves, why, wouldn't, why would Jesus say that he's the good shepherd? Why would he say that, hey, you can find protection in me? Why, why wouldn't he say, like, like, you have been gifted things, like the, a community around you, you've been gifted with the mind, and, and like, even like what James tells us, that if we confess our sins to one another, that we can be healed from these things if, if we were meant to just do these things by ourselves? I think one of the human fallacies that we all have is that we try to fix our problems on our own. God says, you can find protection in me. He's the good shepherd. Um, one chapter over in, in John 11, uh, verses 25 and 26, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You believe this. Uh, I love this instance because you may know, and we're going to spend time on this a lot of time uh, later this, uh, uh, in two months. Um, this is when Jesus is talking to two of his friends, to Mary and Martha, because their brother Lazarus had died. And, and Jesus is talking about that, the fact that I am the resurrection, that I am the life. And this is before he performs the miracle and raises a kid from the dead, right? And he, he's asking them this question in the middle of their grief, in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their, like, like just like high emotions. And a lot of times, like think about what you and I, when we're going through tough times, when we're like high pressure situations, like their brother had just died. They're still mourning this. Jesus, in the middle of them going through these things, asked them a very hard theological questions. If you're going through a tough situation, is that the best time to ask you anything? How, how, how would that work out in, in your life? Like, hey, you know, Brian, your, your, your wife's sick. Um, by the way, like, hey, I know you're trying to take care of your wife and your kids. Can, can, I, can I put this heavy question on you? You're going to be like, like, Dane, like now? And I love the response. Man, I'm giving a sermon like weeks before I should be giving it. Um, I love the response uh, uh, that, that is given to Jesus. Jesus says, yeah. Like, in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my struggle, I believe what you're saying. That doesn't change anything about what I'm feeling. But yeah, I, I believe that you're the resurrection in your life. I absolutely do. Can I just like, and, and I apologize because you're going to hear this same sermon in a couple weeks. Can I just like point that as a, as a reminder to each and every one of us? That in the midst of what we're going through, God is still trying to teach us something. That, that part, of, part of the way that you deal with your grief, part of the way that you deal with this is, is, is still by learning and still by leaning into what God has for you. Did they have any clue what Jesus was about to do? Did they have any clue that, that, that their brother was about to like come out of a tomb? But, like, Jesus still asks us to, to, to trust in him and to believe in him, even while we're going through hell on earth. Um, this morning, we, we sang the song Oceans, and I think it speaks to this idea that 
while the while the waves rise, while we're going through, you know, like like while it's 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 a dangerous place to be. It's it's in the middle of the water. Like this is not a place where there is any safety rails or anything going on. God calls us to trust Him. Like when when you're out there in the, in the oceans, like there's nothing else holding on. Like we got to trust Him here. I'm here. I'm out here in the middle of the ocean. God, like you got to show up in a way. Like this is this is the same thing. And what Jesus is saying is that find eternal life in me. I'm the resurrection and the life. That, that trust and belief that, that, that it's found in him, he says you could find that in me. And this is one of the, like, I, I love this passage because it's bigger. Like, this is one of the proofs that salvation is bigger than just what happens after we die. It's bigger than just, hey, I, I got, this is my ultra retirement plan. Like, when I retire from earth, that's where I go. No, eternal life is bigger than that. Because we see right here that, like, as Jesus is pointing this to the, to the sisters of, of Lazarus, he's saying, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Because if you do, that has eternal significance. It's comfort for you right now, but it's also security for you later. Find eternal life in me, and eternal life starts right now. John 14, 6 and 7. It's our next one. Jesus is similar to the last one. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus stressed that salvation, contrary to what, uh, to what many people think, is not obtainable through many ways. Like, Jesus focuses this in. Like, I just want you to see the progression of, like, all the different statements. I, I, I'm bread. I, I, you know, I, I'm, a, um, I'm the door. Um, I'm the light of the world. I'm the resurrection of life. And he's like, hey, listen, if you haven't got it yet, there's one way to heaven. And that's through me. I, I you know, as I've had conversations with, with gracious people that are far from God, this is the one that always ends the conversations. Like, Dane, like, how could you possibly think that this is, this is, uh, this is, like, I, like, you're never going to believe this. Um, I've had a door slammed in my face of my own door from a Jehovah's Witness. They reached across the door and slammed the door. Like, and like, but you're outside. Like, like, like how does this happen? Because when you get into the conversations about Jesus, and I'm saying, like, but what do you do with this passage that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Like, there's no way around it. Jesus says that this is, this is the way. This is the only access. Um, one of my, um, one of my um, I had an old student um, who went to uh, um, Coachella. You guys heard of this music conference, big, huge music conference. It, it happens, like, on a huge, like, space of land. I think it's on a golf course. And every year, like, Kids, it's such a big place. They're like, we could find a crack in the fence. We could find a way to get into Coachella for free. Because it's like, they can't possibly, like, you know, cover all of this ground with security guards. So him and his friends um, had a GoPro camera, and they're like, watch us sneak into Coachella. And they did it, and they got in. But the problem was they were on Instagram Live, and all the security, they were watching on Instagram Live, and they, they, they just followed where the kids was, like, okay, that's a marker. They went and found the kid in the middle of the crowd and brought him out because they had to record them getting into Coachella. And they were like, hey, listen, 
there's only one way in, and, and that's through the front gate with a ticket. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I, I think for, for all of us, the reason why, like, it's not even that people hate Jesus. There's just a lot of, it seems like there's a lot, like, a, a lot more easier ways, a lot more culturally relevant ways to achieve what we want in the eternal life. Following Jesus is hard. Accepting Jesus is hard. Making him the Lord of your life is hard. But just like we've talked about previously about him being the light of the world where the world is so dark and even the idea about him being satisfying with the bread of life, the reason why it's the only way is because it's the best way. It's the way that's going to be the most satisfying to you. One of my favorite passages is in Psalm 19, and it talks about how God's word is not just good for you, but it's good to you. It's the idea that like, it's not just satisfying to your soul, but it's beneficial for you. That, that like, you know, The reason why we have things like the Ten Commandments and we have so many of the laws and things that God gives us as rules to live by is because it's satisfying. You're not going to regret it. So God in his providence, he doesn't allow us to choose all these different doors to follow. He's saying like, hey, trust me. The reason why I am the way, the truth, and the life it's because this is the way to go. This is it. I, I remember um, we were taking the kids um, to Disney World. And um, I, I, when we were getting ready to, to do the fireworks, you know, our kids were like, well, Daddy, we could just stop here. We can, we can see just, just, just great right here. I'm like, no, you're going to want to get closer. And then we go a couple more feet. Like, well, what, what about right here? We could sit here. We could stand here. And I could see the fireworks from here. And I'm like, buddy, you, you want to be able to see the whole front of the castle. Like, you don't want to be off to the side. Let's, let's keep going forward. And then when we finally got to the spot, they, like, it was like perfect. I, like, I was like best dad in the world that day. Like where they got to stand on the ledge and they got to get like the full view of the front of the castle with the projections on the front of it and the fireworks in the background. And Cole doesn't say this. He's like, daddy, you were right. They're like, this is the only way to see this. I, I wonder for us, like how, how many people have reached the other side of eternity, and been like, you know what? I wasted my life. This wasn't the only way to do this. Jesus tells us that we have to find the one and only way in me, that you can find the one and only way in me. And then this last one, in John chapter 15, it says, uh, Jesus says, I am the vine says that, that I, am the, uh, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already cl- uh, clean because of the word, that I've sp- the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm going to spend some more time on this in a couple weeks. Um, uh, this was actually the first passage. When I first got hired as a youth pastor, um, our, um, our senior pastor said, hey, you're preaching this week and you're preaching on John 15. And I was like, great, you're giving me one of the most difficult um, you know, uh, um, uh, symbolisms that Jesus gives, and I have no clue what he's talking about. I was just going to talk about like, Skittles and relate to how we're all different Skittles and God's great bag of candy. Like, I, I, you know, so, um, but one of the things that I, I realized then that he wanted me to do this is that we are useless and we are not doing anything great. Uh, we may think we're doing things great, but outside of a relationship or outside of abiding in Christ, we're not doing much. You know, uh, one of my favorite things that, that I've said to the teenagers has been like, hey, um, 
Let me ask you a question for those of you, it's Oscars, so we'll use the Oscars. Um, who won the Oscar for the best actor 50 years ago? Yeah, nobody cares. Like, like it, it, it's, it's, it's a great achievement. Like, it, like but it, it's a trophy. Their, their family cares. Like, like it, that, that trophy is there. If we Wikipedia it, we'll figure it out and be like, oh, yeah, they were in that movie. By the time you're having lunch, you're going to forget about it. Like, even, like, the best of trophies, even the best of, of, of things, like, for me, like, in sports, you know, like, like who won the Super Bowl? Who won Super Bowl three? Like, I, it, it just doesn't matter. Ten points. Like, you know, I, like, <laughs> it probably was Packers. Uh, like, 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 you know, like, these accomplishments and things, like, we just can't do great things outside of a relationship with Jesus. Like even the best of monuments and things, like we, we can look at them, and even in the, the, the best things that have been left here for us to marvel at, the stories of who did them and the glory of those people, it wanes over time. You see that, that they're like arguing over like who really built the pyramids? That's like a discussion right now, and even how they got built. I, I, when Jesus says that I am the true vine, he's emphasizing the sustaining power of Christ. He's saying, like, listen, when you recognize that I'm power, that, 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 is, that you have access through, through, the, uh, the, uh, through the Holy Spirit, um, you can bear fruit. And you can do great things in this world because you're doing them for the sake of the kingdom. But just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it's joined in vital union with the vine, when we go and try, like, like, like I was saying earlier, if we go and try to do great things in this world without them, man, it just doesn't have the same potential. It just doesn't. It falls short. And it's not that great things don't happen outside of Christ. Like, you know, we, we know that like, that's even one of the, the best things about God's glory and his grace. He allows us to function, and he allows folks that are far from him to function on his behalf. Right? Like, I don't know if who made this microphone is a follower of Jesus. But by the grace of God, they made it so that we can use it to, to, to praise Jesus' name. Amen? Like, they, like, 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 even God can use those things. Um, but for us as followers of Jesus, it is, it is important for us that we would stay connected to him and abide in him. And what Jesus tells us is that we can find power in him. He says, find power in me. I mean, like, what does that mean? It means that, hey, you're going to your job tomorrow, and you're going to have to interact with that coworker that you need extra strength to deal with. My teachers, he's saying, hey, you know, you're going to work tomorrow, and that student that is hard to love, he just had two days of rest, even with having to spring forward. He's saying, hey, find power in me. Like, like, ask for help from the Holy Spirit that lives within you. It's significant, and it can make the difference in you being exhausted, spiritually exhausted, emotionally exhausted. For, for some of you, you have an ailing um, um, sibling or friend or someone that you're helping take care of. And you're happy to do it. It's not a problem of not liking them or not loving them. Sometimes it's just hard. And, 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 and even the emotional, like, mental waning of, like, I, like God, I, I, love my, I love my parent. I love my grandparent. You know, but, like, but this is hard. As I've been through this, there were days where I, I, I prayed to God, I like, God, I don't want to have a bad attitude. This is my grandfather. And I just... I just need you, and I need to be connected to you because I believe that there is power. I believe that there is strength that is found in you. I need your help. 
And you know what? My attitude was a little bit better the next day. My, my ability to, to, to show grace was, a little, was more than the next day. Next weekend, I'm, I'm taking, uh, uh, my wife has taken uh, some of the ladies in this room who have kids of their own, and we're all going to be sitting around like, God, we need you. All, all the husbands and dads are going to be like, God, we need your help. Like, we can't do this without her. You'd be surprised that, to see that there, there, there may be a little bit extra grace that you have. I believe that God empowers us to do what he wants for us to do. Like, like, have you ever thought about that? Like, that, you know, if God is... If God would dare ask us to live for him and to do things on, on the sake of his behalf, he's going to empower you to do so. If you're, if you're somebody who, like, uh, um, who wakes up every morning, you want to spend time with God, you want to go and do your job, and then you want to come home, and while you're doing that, you're sharing Jesus as you go, do you not believe that the God of the universe would empower you to do so? If that's the case, stay connected to the vine. You can find power in him. Um, the way we respond this morning is by believing just these three words. I am his. If, if Jesus is the great I am, if that's who he is, then we would believe and we would trust that we belong to him. I mean, at, at the end, like, and, and all these different scenarios, like, like it, it, it makes it a very pointed point of like, if this is who Jesus is, like, there's some point of relationship but between who I am to, to who he is, right? When we know that we are his, we think what God's desires and intentions and minds, not just our own. It's when we know um, that, that we're his. When we believe that we are his, we trust that, we are, that what we go through is being overseen by God that loves us and is working things out for our good and his glory. That's what we believe when we know that we are his. And when we live like we are his, we are to go to the people around us who need to experience being him as well. Um, can I be honest with you? Um, I, it, it has been a, um, an emotionally like roller coaster of a week for me and my family. Um, we were away for a conference and you know, I like I, I was telling Brian before service that I um I, I usually go to these things and I kill it at picking breakout sessions and I felt like I was picking the wrong breakout sessions all week. And even in like the messages, the the Brian asked me my biggest takeaway this week. And I was like, you know what, Brian, I think God's just been calling me back to just being somebody who prays. I think before we moved here, I was praying like crazy because I needed God to move us. I needed God to sell our house. I needed God to move us up to Towson so we can get this church started. And it's not that I've stopped praying, but it's become more routine if I've been honest. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Oh, it's Mill and I. God's waking me up. I'm going to pray. But then you realize what it's for. Um, we've heard this week that two people close to us, um, healthy people, are, are sick with cancer. And I don't know if you've ever got like news that you didn't see coming, but it just takes you off your feet. It just sweeps your leg. And if you're a parent or, or just busy like us, we didn't have time to sit there and be sad about it until the next thing that we were doing. Like my son Cole had a soccer game on a late Friday night, and all I wanted to do was just sit there and be sad about it. I just wanted to sit there and just feel like God had let us, you know, not that he had let us down, 
but this wasn't great timing for me. If you allow me to be that brave enough to, to say that. I gotta, I'm not mad at you for allowing this to happen. I'm mad that you're doing it right now. And one of the things I just want to share with you is that even when we don't understand the timing, even when we don't like agree with why he's doing it and when he's doing it, I think God always prompts us back to the fact that we belong to him. And that's the reason why we need to abide in him. That the reason, it's not, it's not after something bad happens, it's not after it gets tough, it's that this is where you always are so that you're able to deal with the rough storms. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? God tells us that we are his and it, and it defines who we are because just like Mary and Martha standing outside of their brother's tomb, he wants us to believe that he's the resurrection and the life, that he saw this coming. And yes, it's supposed to hurt, and, 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 he, and he mourns with us. His plans are greater than ours. The way we respond this morning is that you're, you're going to continue to go through what you're going through. You're going to, everybody walked in here with something. And you're going to continue to go through that. You're going to continue to think about that. You're going to continue to struggle through that. But what you either need to get back to doing, continue to doing, or start doing is allowing Jesus Christ, the Lord of our lives, to be the great I am in your life. Because when we realize that he's the great I am, it defines who we are. And the great times, and the times when you don't even want to get off the ground, and all the in-between. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father God, I think that um, my friends here would agree with me that it, it, this is a hard uh, rhythm to keep up. It's hard to go through every single day trusting that you are the great I am. Uh, we are, it's hard for us as people um, not to do things ourselves. God, we, we, we want to hustle for our own behalf. We want to go out and do things on our own behalf. We want to figure it out on our own. And um, it's hard not to fall back into that. And Lord, I just ask for, for the sake of um, our friends and family here that you would continue just to remind us and call us to a faith that trusts in you overall. God, may you be the great I am in our lives. May you be our bread. May you be our light. May you be our, our, our door, our gate, our good shepherd. May you be our resurrection in life. And may you be our, own, our one and only way. And God, help us to abide in you and being our true vine. In Jesus' name I pray. You just listened to a message from Dane Carraway, the pastor of Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about our church and to support what we're doing in the greater Baltimore area, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well. May God bless you.